0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the creek. I'm glad you're here. This is your first time that, uh, like Ryan said, there's a guest card around you. If you'll fill that out, we can get some information to you. Also, if you have any prayer requests, uh, uh, fill out one of those, put it in our giving station. On your way out, that little black box is not our flight data recorder. That's our giving station. Um, and uh, we believe that giving is an act of worship and uh, uh, you can uh, worship even on your way out with your tithes and offerings. So, uh, I'm excited about being with you today. This has been one of those weeks where you just, you know, you have ups and you're downs. You know, it's the best of times. It was the worst of times. And uh, yesterday, Heather and I celebrated, this was an upside, by the way, uh, celebrated 17 years of, of marriage. Um, yeah. I'm not rich and I'm not good looking, so God's doing something for me, right? Um, so she's a very patient woman. Um, but 17 years, I'm grateful for that. But um, We've been teaching through the book of Colossians. If you've got your Bible, go to Colossians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some on the ends of the rows for you. If you don't own a Bible, I know I say this every week, it's never going to get old. We want the Word of God in your hands. You can take that Bible, make that yours. If you don't own one, write your name in it, and you now own uh, your copy of the Word of God. Write in it. I know, you know some people get weird about that. Man, write in it. Make notes. So when you go back and read that, man, you're going to see where God's moving you along this, this progression line of maturity. And so uh, if you're weird and just like, I just cannot bring myself to write in, the, in, in my Bible, carry a journal, uh, make journal entries, notes. Um, here's where all that helps. You're able to look back and see where you've had conversations with God and where you've made progress along the way. Uh, or if you're like me, you'll find yourself, and sometimes you find yourself in the same situation again, and you're like, wait a second, I, I'm a, my life's a merry-go-round. And so uh, you've got to start moving into something different. Progress is, should be about our life. I mean, Paul is writing this letter to the, the uh, church in Colossae. And uh, th- this week is really a pivotal point because he's letting, laying some foundation this week to begin launching into what the meat of the letter is. So uh, we're going to get into some, some crazy conversation, good stuff, um, but we're going to get in the depth of this letter to this church. Uh, and um, today I, I want us to stop and we're going to drill in on this idea of progress and the nature of progress. Because remember, maturity is the goal. Paul's saying, look, you've got to be rooted in Christ and you're rooted in maturity is the focus here. We, we want you to grow up. I mean, if you think about it as a parent, your goal is to get your kids grown up, mature, and functioning members of society, okay? Functioning members of society. Uh, not uh, 30 years old, still eating your Lucky Charms out of your pantry. Um, sorry if I hit a hot button there. I'm just preaching, you know? Don't get mad at me. Maturity is the goal. This, this Christian life, Maturity is the goal. We are born physically, and we, our bodies grow. We go to sleep. We wake up taller. Um, I go to a restaurant. I leave more round. Uh, it's just the way it happens. Physical growth happens. Emotional growth, not so much. And then the spiritual growth is something we've got we've to work at. Uh, I know a lot of adults that, that lack maturity. Um, I, I get stuck on YouTube watching those people, man. I. <laughs> That, that, you know that vortex called YouTube? It's just this black hole. You know what I'm talking about. And if you're ignoring me on this, he, you're trying to hide it. You know what I'm talking about. You're sitting at work and somebody sends you a video that says, check this out. You click on the link. And you're like, that's the dumbest individual I think I've seen today. And But what's amazing is there's this whole sidebar of all these other people. And you're like, yes. And, you know, somewhere in the context of that conversation was, hey, watch this. Or hold my beer, you know. You know that was a part of the conversation at some point. Or I bet you can't do that. I bet I can. Watch, you know. And and you know what I'm talking about. And then I look up an hour later and go, I've just watched the most immature people in in the world, but I've had a great time doing it, you know. And Facebook is like that too. Facebook is a time drain. Yeah, I get it, man. But some of y'all, unplug, all right? I I can't keep up. I like Facebook because a pastor, it's a good shepherding tool. Yeah, I see what's going on. Um, And if you go unfriend me today, I'm going to really know what's going on. You're like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, (laughs) the Holy Spirit's going to get you now. But uh, uh, so progress should be a reality in our life, and maturity is the goal. Uh, If if maturity is the goal, there's got to be a process. Uh, you've heard me say this before that salvation is like a revolution. It's it's instant, man. When you're when your faith is connected and you place your faith in Christ, it's instant. I mean, it, it's a transformation. You are it's birth. It's a new creation. But then the maturity process. It's like an evolution. It's a process. I mean, you're being refined. God is growing you. Uh, there's all these things that you're doing to try to seek and gain maturity. And so I sent this out on Facebook, speaking of, uh, what does maturity look like? And it was interesting. You can go to my page and read some of the answers. Somebody put, just look in the mirror. And I, I sent that person a gift card. I'm like, I love you, man. <laughs> but uh, there was great wisdom in some of those answers. Uh, you know, being able to admit when you're wrong um, and being able to recognize and teach in those moments and some great responses. But I really wanted to put that out to everybody to to start thinking of what does maturity look like? I mean, when you you picture maturity in your mind, what comes to mind? When you picture spiritual maturity, what comes to mind? Uh, I don't know if you're like me, but I try to get pictures going in my mind. You know, pictures do better than words for me a lot of times. And that's why I like movies over books, honestly. You know, it's like a book with moving pictures, right? Um, Kids' books teach me a great amount of information because of the pictures. Uh, I'll stop there before you think any less of me. But um, maturity is the goal, and we, we try to formulate these ideas on what it looks like. Well, Paul in Colossians 2 gives us some beautiful illustrations on what maturity looks like. I'll be honest with you, when I started planning out Colossians and praying, God, is this, what, is this the book you want us to go through? I mean, if you've been at the creek any amount of time, you know that's how we typically preach, is, is verse by verse through the book of the Bible. It um, creates the authenticity in our relationship. It's going to force me to teach everything in there, um, not just the things that I think are going to make you feel good or make us, make us look good. That, I mean, it's just the bottom line. Um, there's some parts in Scripture that we avoid, but we've got to teach. And so I started praying, God is Colossians, the book. I felt peace with the Holy Spirit. So I started putting a timeline together. Well, the section we're teaching today, I had this lumped in with a lot of other uh, scriptures. And God really slowed me down because he's really challenging me in my study time to just slow down. I may may just get two or three verses read in my study time, journal about that, think about that, pray about that. Uh, God's really saying, look, Matt, I'm, I'm giving you a lifetime and I want, I want you to know me. Don't just know about me. Don't just memorize a verse so you can show people how much Scripture you've memorized. Let that transform your heart and slow down. I mean, I don't know if your parents have ever said that. Uh, our kids, uh, they would come in from playing at dinner time, and it was almost like they're eating the food as if it's the last time they're ever going to see food in their life. And we like, slow down, enjoy this. You know, I took Heather out for our anniversary and we had an amazing meal. And part of the worship of the evening was to be able to slow down and enjoy that food. I think we miss that with scripture sometimes. Let's slow down and enjoy what we're what we're, what we're we're involving ourselves in here. And let's let this transform us, not just close the Bible after five, 10, 15 minutes, whatever time you study and say, I got 38 verses right. There. I did a whole chapter, man. God, it's so good to know you like that. And man, but you might've missed it. It's today. We're going to look at three, four verses. And the depth that we miss because we get so hurried. Um, The translation from from uh, Greek and then all the way down to English, we kind of miss some things. And I'd missed this at first. And God pulled me back and said, Look at this. You like pictures? Look at this. People say the scripture is too hard to understand. It is full of pictures and God will reveal it. What I love about Scripture, it's the only book that when you open, the author is fully present every time. And his desire is to reveal more of himself every time you open the Bible. I can't explain it. That's the way he works. Heather does a lot of reading in bed with her Kindle. And, you know, I walked in the other night, and the screensaver was on Harriet Beecher Stowe. And so in my sick mind, I sent a picture like to my best friend. I was like, look who's in my bed. And he's like, that's creepy. I was like, yes, I know. Okay, I don't want the authors around when I'm reading their stuff, okay? Yeah, but, but I want the Holy Spirit fully present when I'm in the word because that's the only way I'm gonna gain the insights and the depths from this. And so Paul's gonna go into this. And this, like I said, is a pivotal point because there's false teachers among uh, the church in Colossae. They haven't fallen in and given in completely to false teachings, but it's out there. There's this pressure that's coming at them to start to, to change a little bit from the gospel. Um, and Paul's going to write and say there's a need for progress. You've got to grow in maturity because the more you mature, the better your filter works to be able to discern things. You, you understanding that? It, it, think about a child. They have no filter at all, and they don't know how to discern. You're teaching your children right from wrong. Um, and teenagers, you're teaching your children good and best. I mean, most of us, even as adults, understand right and wrong. But what we need the filters for is what's best. What's going to glorify God more by, by doing this or this? Either one of them's good. You know, we were talking with a family a couple weeks ago, and they're like, these are the decisions we have. I was like, either one of them are good. Well, which one should we do? I don't know. You've got to pray about it and seek peace about it. God's going to give you the peace. But either one of them are good, but you pray for what's best. And that's what Paul's getting ready to get into here. So verse 4, chapter 2, verse 4. I'm actually going to back up so we understand context, and we'll start in verse 1. We covered this last week, but he says, I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now we're going to get into where we're at today. He says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. It is amazing what we can be persuaded into. I think you can think back in your history And think of a time you were persuaded into something that you absolutely regretted. I mean, we've all been there. You might not want to admit it, and I'm not going to call you on that, but we've got those things where you're like, man, I wish I had that decision back. You know, they talked me into that. And I'm not just, some of you probably went to a car salesman. You know, there's people in your life that are the car salesman for any decision. I mean, think through your circle of the friends. Who's the salesman in your circle of the friends? If you can't think of them, it might be you. Are you the persuader in your in your relationship circles? But he says, "I don't want you to be blown away by deceitful arguments." Because uh, here's the thing I've learned about the enemy: he he's a liar, yes, but he's very smart. And what I've learned is he'll he'll take just a bit of truth and just turn it just a little bit. I mean, very rarely to a Christ follower. Does the enemy, is he able to take somebody who's walking and get them to do a 180-degree turn? Uh, that, that happens over time. When you start thinking back, and maybe you've been away from God for a while, and you're, you're kind of really trying to draw in. Maybe you got sold on an idea of, of, of Jesus that's not really Jesus, and just a couple degrees off, but you find yourself way off. And then uh, that's what the enemy's going to do. If he can get you one click, if he can deceive you just by this much, well, think about what that's going to do over weeks, months, years, a lifetime. And Paul's saying, I want you to grow in maturity so you don't get taken by this. Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, Paul's calling them back to be rooted in the gospel. The gospel is this. The gospel is that we are broken. We are fallen man and we are alienated from God. And we need some way to be reconciled to God. And Jesus is that way. It is through the death on the cross, his burial in the tomb and the resurrection of Jesus that we can be reconciled to God. That's the good news. What's happening with the false teachers in Colossae, and honestly, in our society, is we start adding stuff to the good news. It's like, well, that's good news. But to continue in that, here's what you got to do. If we start adding anything to the gospel, it's not the gospel at all. It's not good news, right? I mean, think of it this way. There's a lot of construction going on, Marine Creek Ranch, beautiful neighborhood. Let's say I just draw out of a hat and one of y'all get, get picked and I bring you up on stage and say, congratulations, we have built you a 3,000 square foot, two-story home, three-car garage, pool included, all the amenities, it is yours. We love you, congratulations. First of all, y'all be, y'all be like, what am I giving my ties to? But, <laughs> but, but I just said, congratulations here. We love you. Be blessed. And man, we even help you move in. And so you get moved in. You get settled. You get all the utilities hooked up, everything. And you're just, everything's good. About day 32, the mail comes. You go get the mail and you get a payment book. And you call me like, what's up, Matt? I thought you gave me a house. I did. But you got to pay for it. Oh, that just negated all the goodness that happened a month earlier, right? (laughs) Then you're going to be like, for sale. So if we start adding anything to the gospel, it's not the gospel. And Paul's saying, let's let's not do that. Let's not play the game. It's Jesus. Our fullness is found in Christ. Our roots are found in Christ. We don't need to get into anything else. And then Paul's going to give us these pictures of progress. And, and he's going he's gonna to use words, but I've got some pictures that I'm going to show you because I want these pictures to, to stick in your mind. And so when you think of maturity, when you think of progress, when you think of God growing you through this life, that you have something that Paul's even teaching the Colossians about that is, is true for us today. And so let's pick it up. I'll go to verse 5 now. Uh, Verse 5 says this, For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit. Paul had never met the people in Colossae. And he's actually in prison for preaching the gospel. He says, look, I've never met you. I can't be there right now, but my heart's there. I mean, my heart's with you. In spirit, I am there. And he says, I uh, am delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. These are military terms, uh, when he says orderly and firm, firm is steadfast. And uh, he's giving this illustration using a military term uh, to describe all of the soldiers prepared for battle and that they are, they, they're holding their ground. Now, we've got a lot of military in our church, and I love it. But I want to give you this picture of, of what it looks like to be standing firm and orderly. Notice these soldiers are all—they're in their—they're in lines. I mean, they're prepared for battle, but they're in their lines. And each person, those of you who are in the military, understand that when you hit the battlefield, you got to be prepared. And they are prepared to defend that that line, and they're standing in the right place. When you think about filing in in ranks, uh, we we need to understand this concept in ministry and in the kingdom of heaven uh, that I there are people that that we can't have everybody be a five-star general in the kingdom of God. But we all have to understand what God has given us and what our place is. We can all be on the bus together, but we've got to be in the right seats too. And that's that's part of what we do as a church is, you know, we've got a church, we've got to get people in serving, we've got to get people that are helping in these key areas. Um, We're beefing up our prayer team. Um, We're just feeling a real challenge to do that. Um, because, man, we pray for you during the week. Our prayer room is open before and after every service. Um, we don't possess the power to help you. Only the Holy Spirit can help you, and we can partner in prayer for that. And so when you think about the kingdom of God and this, this idea of maturity, it's standing firm, it's defending that line. Now, let me, let me help you with something. You may think, well, I don't want to fight. Uh, by very nature of you being a Christian, well, I mean, you could even say I'm not a Christian. You're in a battle. And fighting is a part of daily life. Uh, if you haven't realized that, you're going to wake up at some point. But there is an enemy that desires to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. And, and here's the thing that, don't get prideful about this, that the enemy's after you. No, me, you, we're inconsequential. Here's the thing, the enemy knows that he can hurt the father coming after the kids and so he's going to attack us just to hurt the father so there's going to be attacks coming I will tell you this I am I was vividly reminded I said this week had ups and downs I, I have just been under just serious spiritual pressure this week and just a lot of attacks and the enemy has tried to attack the unity of our body he has tried to attack the gospel in our body but let me tell you something i'm I'm okay with that Because last week in service, in kids and in in adult services, we had people give their life to Christ. On Wednesday at Beach Club at Northbrook after school, we had kids give their life to Christ. On Wednesday night in youth, we had kids give their life to Christ. There are kids in there right now. And in the last service that God is preparing their heart to to come to know Jesus. And you know what? We're on the offensive. We're storming the gates of hell. We would be foolish to think that the enemy is just going to sit by and let that happen. But you know what? I'm fine with that. If the attacks are coming, God's big enough to handle the attacks. Here's what I'm grateful for. All the attacks that did get through, God knows that they can come through. I have no idea what he's protecting me from, and I don't want to know, honestly. But I'm going to fight. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to stand firm. And us as the body have to do that as well. That's that's a mark of maturity. Uh, That's a picture of progress and discipline and obedience. I mean, that is, God, you, you have given me this mission. You have told me to take this line, and this is what I'm going to do. When Heather and I were praying about launching the church, the story that came to mind was uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer storming the hill while Saul was asleep under the pomegranate tree. And God said to Heather and I, just as clear, not audibly, but just as clear in our spirit, take the hill. And Heather said, I'm with you, heart and soul. I said, let's go. And we've got to understand that that takes discipline and obedience. And for those in the military, you could probably tell us quite a bit about what happens for undisciplined soldiers and a lack of obedience. There's too much at stake. And so we need to be growing in this obedience and this discipline. The second one is in verse 6, the second picture. Actually, let me show you this real quick. Here's what, sadly, what a lot of Christians are like in the army. (laughs) That would be real, uh, real threatening, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> diaper change instead of medic. Be like, diaper! <laughs> He's full of capital. Okay, never, uh, second one, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ as Lord, continue to live in Him. This, this picture, this continue to live in Him, uh, references back to Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, when he says, walk worthy of the Lord. And you think of this idea as the pilgrim or a pilgrimage, and I don't mean, you know, pilgrim like Thanksgiving, I mean a pilgrimage like you're on a journey, you're on a walk. Uh, so the picture I want you to have is that of of someone taking this journey and, and walking this road. Now, let me, let me help you here uh, because uh, too many times we start to change up and second guess what God wants for our life. We come to Christ in faith, okay? We can only be reconciled, to God by grace through faith. And it's, it's really God giving us the faith to give back to him. At what point do we stop thinking that we continue to walk by faith? I mean, if we're transformed and we put our faith in Christ, we continue to walk by faith. Now, the interesting thing about this picture, I, I love being able to see the horizon. I mean, I love being able to know exactly what's coming, but that's not always the case i will tell you there are times in my life in my walk that i can't even see the next step in front of me and god brings me back to his word when he says my word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path let me give you some context on that in the first or in the ancient times men would actually wear shoes that had lamps on the front of them and they would light their path. And so sometimes I just have to admit I can't see 5 steps ahead. I can't even see 3 steps ahead. I wish I could see the horizon, but I have to just get in that locked in locked in with God and go show me the next step. What is the next step? Sadly, when we lack maturity, what we do, what do kids do when they're scared to walk? They just sit down and start crying. And we got a lot of people on this walk with Christ that are sitting down pouting because they don't know where to go. And Jesus is saying, come on, it's by faith. Get up. Pray for the next step. You can do this. I mean, when you when your kids were getting bigger, there was a point that you had to make the decision, kid, I cannot carry you anymore. I mean, you're in the fifth grade. Come on. <laughs> You teach them how to walk and then walk on their own. But you're giving them wisdom and maturity along the way. I mean, you wouldn't be in the living room teaching your kids how to walk. They take their first steps and go, okay, I'm glad that's over. Okay. (laughs) Let's go trick-or-treating now. I don't have to pull the wagon. Uh, Get up and walk. But understand this. You may only see the next step. But God's going to give you peace in what that next step is. And very rarely in your life will you know where, where it is on the horizon. We, see, we all want the high-beam headlights where we can see the shoulders of the road as far out as we can, you know, all around us. You want spotlights all around us, and, and it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. It might just be that one step, just, just enough light to say, I can step right here, and you take that step, and then I can step here, and then I can step here, and you go on. You see, this this is a picture of our journey of faith in Christ. That we look back. I mean, when you look back in your life with Christ, you go, we've covered some ground. But you may look back on your walk with God and see where he's done this. But he's bringing you closer to him. But let's be faithful in our walk. And then he goes on in verse 7. He says this, rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. This idea of "rooted" is an agricultural term. He uses this a couple of times in the in the letter to the Colossians. "Rooted," draw your roots in Christ means once and for all having been rooted. You see, we're not a bunch of Christian tumbleweeds that we don't. We're not going to be blown about. We are rooted. We plant our roots in Christ and we we stay. It goes back even to the military term, the standing firm, the steadfastness. I mean, I have trees in my front yard. They're not very big. They're cute trees. But they are planted in there and their roots are starting to develop and to grow deep so that one day they will be this large tree that is going to provide shade, that is going to do what a tree is supposed to do and go through its life cycle. But its roots are below the surface and there's something being developed there. The problem is we start to gauge our spiritual maturity not on the roots but on what happens above the ground. Oh, the wind's blowing, I can't handle this. And we start jumping around. I've never opened the door or looked out in the front yard when the wind's blowing or it's raining and see those trees up against my house going, (laughs) We ain't going out there. (laughs) You go. Uh -uh, It's too windy. They're firmly rooted. I think we need to take our faith and let it develop the the roots and be nourished by the soil that, that Jesus plants us in. Let there be some consistency about our lives. We want things too quickly. I mean, we, we, we jump from thing to thing to thing to thing. You know, let's get consistent in our, in our life with Christ and draw up the nourishment of his word and, and let ourselves be planted and grow. I mean, this is a, this is a picture of progress and strength and stability. I mean, when I meet with, with people, one of the biggest things they feel like they're lacking is stability in their life. Everything just changes. It changes so fast. You know what? The wind, you're looking above the surface. The wind's blowing, yeah. It could be railing. There could be hail knocking some leaves off of your tree. But what's your root system like? Is there peace? Are you firmly rooted in the gospel, in Christ, in Christ? And you're growing and there's stability there and there's strength there. And your, your, your attitude and your mindset is the wind may blow, but man, I'm planted. A tree does have its life cycle. There's times that, yes, that tree is going to lose its leaves. That's part of life. There's times a the tree's going to be very fruitful. Yes, it's part of life. There's times that some of your branches are going to come off. That's pruning. By the way, God does prune us. And that's painful, but all that's above the surface. But what's happening in the root system? And that develops the depth of your character and the depth of your relationship in the Word of God and in the character and nature of God. And then he says built up. Built up is an architectural word. Um, it, It deals with the foundation and the building process. It means being built up. Paul uses this word several times in the New Testament, edify, and that's to build up. What he's saying here is is being built up, that that God is at work in your life. There's a construction process happening here, and the picture of this is this building. Now, Paul's talking about foundation, okay, but look how large this building is. Let Let me help you with something. There's no way the workers or the engineers or the designers of this building are going to be thinking at the level that they're at on this building and second-guessing the foundation. See, what was going on in Colossae is the false teachers and the Gnostic cult was saying, no, 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 you, there's, there's more to the story. So what they're doing is they're saying, in order for you to grow closer to God, you've got to start adding to the foundation. Well, when you start doing that, man, it's shifty. Jesus is the foundation once and for all. He laid it. When you put your faith in Him, that's it. The foundation is set. You don't have to add to the foundation. Let him start to build you up. I think too many times we start second guessing our foundation and God never can do anything in our life because we don't think he can. Cuz we don't think the foundation is right or strong enough. And let, let me help you with this. There's many different sizes of buildings, some taller, some bigger different purposes. That's how God made you. He's building you. And through building you, He's building us. Don't measure your maturity by the other buildings around. Are you you're going to be disappointed? Are you going to be prideful? Measure your maturity and your progress by where, okay, God, we started with this foundation. Where are you and I since we started? And that's the picture of progress, of measurable, visible growth. Man, you should be able to look back through your journal, through your Bible, through your life and reflection, going, God has grown me. And you can see that. There is physical evidence. There is spiritual evidence. There's emotional fruit where God is growing you. It's tangible fruit. God produces us to be producers. I mean, we are to bear fruit. And so what does that fruit look like? And we should be able to put our hands on it, and it should be something very tangible. And then he says this, that you're overflowing with thankfulness. He goes back to this word thankfulness, um, because I think that a thankful heart is a heart of maturity. I mean, to be thankful in the good times is great, man. That's easy. But I've sat with some of you in the hardest situations, and you can say, I'm, I, I'm still thankful to God. From a, from a flesh side, you're like, you, you're crazy. Or I, I really don't know if you're, you're being honest with me. But at a spiritual, when the spiritual maturity exists in the heart of a believer, man, you can be grateful and thankful even in the tough times because you know that God is developing character in you you know that God is using this to mature you. I think if you look back over your life, and I would never desire to go be a teenager again. Never desire to go be a teenager again. Are we clear on that? Never again. (laughs) Don't want to do it. Been there, done that. But if you look back, it's through those times that, yeah, there were some good experiences as a teenager, but some of those things that, that hurt deeply, you look back and you're grateful for because that developed the character that you have today. Some of our deepest hurts have created the deepest character in our life. I don't like those hurts, but I'm grateful I went through them. I'm grateful that God has built me into who I am today through the positive and the negative experiences. I'm grateful for that. And Paul's saying you need to be abounding, overflowing with that. And that's that's like the river. That that you should be there should be a constant flow. Think of the word influence. Influence is just I mean what's flowing in, what's flowing into your life. If you're an influence to somebody, then something from your life is flowing into them. If Christ, if God is an influence in your life, that means something from God is flowing into your life, so it should be flowing out. What I what I hear is is too many Christians are like, uh, and and this is a pet peeve of mine, and, and it's a button for me. My spiritual gift of sarcasm will be all over this, but it's, I just want to go deep. I just want to be deep. What are you saying? I just want to be deep. That's the most selfish, narcissistic thing that I can imagine. You just want to be deep for you. No, no, no. I want to grow closer to God, deeper with God. Go to the Great Commission. We're not commanded and commissioned to go into the world and know more about God. It's to teach. Then you want to grow closer to God, more depth of his character, to experience more of God in his life? What are you teaching others about God? God doesn't want us to just sit in a room and know a lot about him and call that deep. He's like, here's what happens. You wanted that? What you're asking me to do is put up a dam and stop the flow of my of, of what I want to do in your life so you can grow this giant lake. The problem is that becomes stagnant. And and I don't want us to be a stagnant deep pool of Christian mess, you know, with the ooze on top and you know what I'm talking about. The marina water, you know, where there's like that film of something you don't want to jump in. <laughs> And then I hear other people say, I just want more influence. I want more influence. And they spend their whole life trying to gain more influence, more influence, more, 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 more. Well, here's the problem with that. You're not going to be deep. You're going to be shallow and really wide. And that's going to be hard to maintain. Again, I think it comes back to the consistency. Let God consistently flow into your life and let him consistently flow out of your life so that builds depth, okay? Because that's the flow. You're providing life to people around you. The people you work with are gaining life. Jesus said, it's streams of living water, baby. Baby, I added baby, you know, just to give it more. You could write a song, do-wah, do-wah. Okay, there we go. But it's streams of living water. Who's getting life from the river of God that's flowing through you? I mean, are lives truly impacted and touched because of what God's doing in your life? And this, this is a mark of progress with the fullness of Christ and the deep influence in our relationships. Do you have influence in the relationships in your life? You know, I asked you at the beginning to, to close your eyes and think about uh, that person or the spiritual maturity. What does it look like? My challenge to you is to be a picture of spiritual maturity. I mean, I'm sure if I said, if I said, tell me how you came to know Christ, tell me how you entered a relationship with Christ, Uh, somebody's face is going to come to your mind. Might be a, a praying grandmother. Everybody I meet, this is what's great about ministry. Everybody I meet has a praying grandma or a grandfather or uncle somewhere in ministry. Somebody, the face of somebody comes to your mind when you think of how you came to know Christ. If I'm challenging you to be a picture of spiritual maturity, when somebody else out there who right now does not know Christ, or maybe they do, when they think of that, does your face come to their mind? Because that's the mark of spiritual maturity. It means we don't waver. We stand firm. We're rooted in Christ. We're solid on the foundation. We're ready to defeat the enemy. I mean, we're ready to go and storm the gates of hell so that people's lives are changed. Otherwise, we're just, what are we doing? It's about changing lives. It's about reconciling people to God. And he trusts us with that. So let's be the picture of spiritual maturity so that really lives get changed. That's what Paul's saying to the Colossians. And be firm. There's going to be some attacks coming, but be firm. Know who you are. Know where you're planted. And I'm, man, I'm trying to grow deep, mature character in your life. Let's pray. Father, we, we love you. We thank you for this time. And uh, we acknowledge that the only way that we can grow in our maturity and grow spiritually is by you. So we invite you into our life to uh, use any of these illustrations that we've talked through uh, to change us, mold us, prune us, uh, whatever needs to be done for us to grow into maturity. I know that's a scary thing to ask because uh, it means that you're going to be refining us. But Father, we can't grow closer to you without your work in our life. And about us being honest about who we are, and growing closer to you. So Father, we ask that as we have seen pictures of spiritual maturity, I pray that those pictures just just imprint themselves on our minds. And so when the wind blows or whatever, when when, when we're tempted to fall away, when we get discouraged because you're not doing what we want you to do, or life gets tough, uh, when we're tempted to, to any of that, Bring us back to those images and keep us firm. Protect us, Father. And we ask that, that, that you fight our battle with the enemy for us. We stand in formation. We stand ready to fight, but we know the battle is yours. And so, Father, we know that you go before us, behind us, on every side, and you protect us and defend us. And so uh, we're not going to sit here and wait, But we're going out. And we want to step into the places we live. Mature spiritually so that lives are changed. We thank you for the kids' lives and, and, and the teenagers' lives and the adults' lives that you connected with this week. Help us to be a part of their spiritual maturity and their growth process for the lives that you're going to use us to connect with this week. We thank you. We're grateful. We love you. Father, we love you, we love you, we love you. And we pray this in the name that's above every name. It's in the name of Jesus.